welcome back. You're watching Traders Corner and joining me as always is Garth McKenzie, founder and editor of Traders Corner. Garth, welcome. Hi, Julieta. Garth, it sounds like you are rather peeved with the market's lack of direction at the moment. Are you finding it very difficult to trade? Yeah, it's just very boring at the moment. Uh, and it's, uh, we now sit at the back of April where we've had all these public holidays and broken weeks and what have you. So the level of activity on the market's been very low due to all of those public holidays. And in addition to which, the guidance that we're getting from offshore is also very lethargic mm. at the moment. So it's a rather dull market. The volumes have been quite thin. And it just seems as if everybody's sort of sitting around waiting for a break one way or the other. Uh, and, and there's no conviction at this stage in one direction or the other. I mean, to some extent, we take our cue from the US markets, which is where we'll begin um, looking at the charts this evening, and the S&P is equally range-bound. Well, this is it. So here you've got the chart of the S&P 500 up on the screen at the moment. And what you can see is that this uh, market is basically narrowing into the apex of a big triangular type pattern. Lots and lots has been written and talked about this. I see it on Twitter and on various websites all over the place. Everybody's going on about this big triangle pattern and expecting this break one way or the other. Um, the levels to watch really are 2700 at the upper end. That's the, the top boundary if you join all those highs. And then the lower end, you've got 2600. Um, the 200 day moving average is also interesting to note here because it's provided support on all of these pullbacks since the beginning of this year, really. You can see the first big pullback that we saw in February found support at the 200 day moving average. Then again in, uh, in late March, early April, again the 200 day moving average found support. And then more recently in the the beginning of May, the market also bounced off that off that 200-day moving average again. So it's difficult to say right now whether it's going to break to the upside or to the downside of this triangular structure. And also thereafter to then say, well, if any break actually happens, is it going to be a, a, a proper break, break that follows yeah. through? Is it going to be sustainable? Or is it going to be one of those that sucks people in one way or the other and then spits them out <laughs> before heading off in the opposite direction again? So it's a bit difficult to know. Um, what I historically have found with these triangular patterns that take a long time to break out and that get very far into the apex is that the breakout actually is generally quite lethargic and, and actually not all that exciting. So you may find that it, it, it pushes in one direction or the other and then just sort of continues to dribble along. It is a time of the year as well when markets are actually fairly quiet. Um, there's that old saying, sell in May and go away. And I mean, I know that nowadays, modern modern time, it's had it seems to have less um, significance mm. and less relevance. But nevertheless, the fact is that it is still the beginning of the the northern hemisphere summertime, and we do typically find that those middle months of the year, so June, July, August are actually fairly dull and, and, and often quite narrow and range bound and choppy anyway. So I don't know, maybe this uh, sort of lethargic action that we're seeing at the moment has still got time to play out. What about our own market? Because it's maybe not quite as lethargic, uh, although it does also seem quite range-bound. But um, the problem is that we sort of s look as if we're dribbling southwards. We are. And this is the top 40 index that we're looking at over here now. So you can see there's a, a downward sloping channel that's intact there. And that's been the case since December last year. And it's very clear to see that our market continues to make lower lows and lower highs as things stand at the moment. Right now the market is up at the upper end of this channel pattern and trying to make an effort to push to the upside. But for the moment it still looks as if we've got a lower low being formed. Um, the levels, the critical levels to watch on our top 40 spot index for the immediate future are going to be 50,400 at the lower level okay. and then 51,500 at the upper level. We'd need to see a break above 51,500 to then open the potential for a bigger move to the upside. 
On the other hand, if it breaks below 50,400, well then that pattern of lower highs and lower lows continues, and, we, and then we could see the market heading further south. So again, we, we sit in a situation locally where it's also fairly range bound, and we're waiting for a break in one direction or the other, and it's certainly for the last three weeks, the trading activity here has been very lethargic. I mean, and that channel, um, if, it, if it's headed south from that point, would that suggest that the, the bottom end of the range is 4,600 on the 40... 46,000. 46, 46, it's sorry. possible. Um, look, I mean, I won't stick my neck out right now and say that it's going to go there. That's, that's a long way down from here. You would need something fairly significant for that to happen. You'd need NASPERS to be very weak. You'd probably need quite a strong RAND. You'd need some weakness in the resources share. So I'm not sure that we can okay. necessarily go as low as that, but I think we'll assess it week by week. For the moment, I think let's monitor that little triangular pattern that I've identified there and those support and resistance levels that I've, that I've spoken about. And then we'll make a call once that once a break in either direction has happened. Scott, I imagine that a fairly lethargic market in general makes it quite hard to pick particular stocks. So you're not actually making any calls this week, but there are kind of a couple of themes that you want to talk about, and not in our own market, but globally. Yeah, that's right. It, it's not that easy at the moment. I'm not really that keen to try and force anything for the show this week. Um, I know we've had a couple of weeks now where we haven't done a trade, where we, we, we had a recording last week looking at some educational stuff. So it has been a bit inactive on the show as it has been in the market. But I'm not in the business of forcing things if there's nothing there to do. So I'm just going to focus on something that I've been looking at for myself and I find quite interesting, more from a medium to longer term investing perspective actually, and that is to look at some of these consumer stocks, but the global consumer stocks, which have been very heavily beaten down mm. since the beginning of this year. Um, we're going to focus on two American companies here, Colgate, Palmolive and then PepsiCo. But if you look across the spectrum, these types of consumer stocks have all been hit fairly hard. Um, look at Unilever, look at uh, Record Bankies, uh, look at Mondelez. These types of big international conglomerates uh, in, the, in the consumer goods spaces, you'll find many of them are down between 20 and 30 percent over the last couple of months. And I mean, to what do you account for that? Because that's quite curious given the strength of the U.S. economy, the fact that unemployment is at an 18-year low, yeah. jobs numbers came out on Friday. It's it is rather strange. Um, I, I suspect it does probably have something to do with the fact that U.S. interest rates have been rising and bond yields have been rising, so effectively your funding cost moves up and then that could be perceived as a little bit of a headwind. In certain respects, I also sometimes wonder whether these kind of stocks are also not treated as a little bit as a yield proxy, because a lot of them do pay pretty decent dividends, and, and, and um, that might have something to do with it. But if you look back historically, these kind of companies, you know, whenever you've had a big dip, a 30-40% dip in these sort of stocks, those have always been your good buying opportunities. Mm. And, and, and that's why it interests me at this point in time now, because the valuations on these consumer goods companies are not excessive. They're, they're reasonable. Earnings are still growing. Um, you're getting quite decent dividends yields now. And a lot of them are now pulling back into fairly interesting support areas. So I think if you are looking to try and put some offshore cash to work, yeah. you probably could look at starting to accumulate some of these types of stocks because they do look interesting uh, and, and they're the types of stocks that you would want to have as anchors in a long-term offshore investment portfolio. 
You mentioned a whole bunch of them. So you mentioned Mondelez and Rickett Binkies and Unilever, but the two that you, as you said, that you'd like to focus on are Colgate, Palmolive and Pepsi. Yeah. So why, why those two specifically? Yeah, specifically, these ones are just listed in New York, and these are the ones that, are, that have caught my eye for this week's show. Um, so this is a weekly chart of Colgate, Palmolive up on the screen at the moment. You can see it goes all the way back to the beginning of this bull market. So we're going back to 2009. In fact, it goes back to 2007. And then you can see the financial crisis back there on the left-hand side of the chart, which looks like well, a bit of a blip now. Know, it seems so um, piddling, doesn't but it? Yeah, but I mean, believe it or not, that was a 40% drop in the share price from, from the peak to the trough over there. It's had a strong move up during the course of this bull market. Recently, it's now dropped 20%. Since January, when it peaked at $77 per share, it's fallen by, by 20%. It's now trading about $62. So it's, it's certainly getting interesting. And y there are two dotted lines that I've introduced onto the chart there. The first comes in at about $62.50, and then the next at about 59 In fact, if we fast forward to the next slide, it shows this okay. more clearly. So this is more recent trading action uh, being effectively the last two years' worth of trade here. And again, this is a weekly graph that we're looking at here meaning that every candlestick pattern represents one week worth of trading activity. So there you can see the lateral support level that I talk about at 62.50, and it's testing that at the moment. And then if that were to fail, then there's more strong support down at below that at $59 a share. So I think it's worthwhile keeping an eye. If you're looking to, cons to, to accumulate these types of stocks in your portfolio, I think you could probably look to start accumulating them around these sort of levels. Having said that though, and, and it kind of goes back to our discussion last week, uh, talking about when to, uh, to sell out of stocks in long-term term portfolios. Mm -hmm. If it's trading under the 200-day moving average, is that a bit of a worry? Yeah, remember this is a weekly chart that we're looking at here now. So it, it indicates that the momentum is weak for the time being. It, it certainly does. But I'm also cognizant of the fact that there are these lateral support levels okay. that we're talking about now. And also what I want to also bring into the discussion is a little bit of fundamentals. I mean, I know we don't talk fundamentals all that much on this show, um, but it is worthwhile noting, particularly if we're looking at this from a, a medium-term perspective. These are some of the figures on Colgate Palmolive over here. So you can see this is your P-E ratio on the left-hand side in this chart over here. So um, based on 2018 earnings estimates, it's trading on a P-E multiple of 20 times, which is not outrageous for a stock like this. And then you can see how that P-E multiple unwinds in the years to come as mm -hmm. earnings growth uh, comes through. Um, so it's trading on a you know, two years out a P-E multiple of 17 times. It's not, not too bad. Dividend yield is 2.67% here. And then the dividend growth is interesting on these stocks. Colgate Palmolive has grown its dividend every single year for 54 years. Sure. So, you know, just keep that in the back of your mind. It's the, it shows that, you know, um, historic growth in earnings, historic growth in dividends. And, and, and why I like these? Because your earnings visibility is fairly good in these types of companies. And, um, and when you do get these significant pullbacks like we're seeing here, often that is your, your chance to actually get on board. Yeah. And what about Pepsi? Does it have the same sort of profile or not quite similar? Pretty similar, yeah. So here again, we're looking at the long-term chart of Pepsi, showing it right throughout the bull market that began in 2009. Here you can see there's a pretty well-established well upward channel that's evident that began in 2009. It's now testing the lower boundary of that channel at, a, at around about 95 uh, dollars per share, that sort of area. If we just look, look into the more recent trading activity here, again a weekly chart, looking back over two years though, there you can see the significance of that support zone at $95 a share 
um, that, that, that I talked about. So it's very, very oversold here, both on the daily and on the weekly chart. Mm. It's getting into a zone of support. I would expect that you would find some buying interest beginning to emerge around $95 here. And certainly for my own longer term portfolio, that's where I'm going to be looking to try and accumulate some of the stock. Um, talking fundamentals here on Pepsi, again, the PE multiple on the left-hand side in, in this chart here is quite interesting. Mm. Um, historic of 18 times PE, this year 17 times, and then looking two years out, it unwinds to a PE of less than 15 times. For a stock of the quality of PepsiCo and the visibility of earnings, that's not bad. Dividend yield is 3.78%. Um, historic uh, growth in dividends of 45 years here, so that's pretty good. And interestingly here, if you buy the stock at the moment, you, your next ex-dividend date is the 31st of May. So it's just around the corner, the end of this month. Um, so effectively, if you look at that and you buy it now, you'll end up collecting three dividends over the next 13 months. Because remember, these companies pay dividends every six months. Okay. So if you, um, if, if, if you buy it now, you effectively get the next dividend plus the following two. So it ends up that in a, on a 13-month time frame, you get an effective dividend yield of around about 5.7%. Which is really high. Yeah, in dollars, you know, with the potential to probably get a bit of capital growth as well. So it's not unattractive. And, and that's why these consumer stocks generally are interesting to me at the moment. As I said, I've highlighted these two, but also have a look at the likes of Unilever, Record Bank, he's a Mondelez. These are all in a similar sort of space and they've all been hit pretty hard yeah. over the last few months yeah okay well good suggestions to pull over and do some homework on mm. what does the portfolio look like then i imagine no difference not not really so our south african portfolio is up just over six percent for the year to date we've got nothing happening there at the moment and then our offshore portfolio is up a little bit the only position we're sitting with at the moment there is a put option on tesla um, which looked exciting for us last week when Elon Musk was having a, <laughs> a meltdown, a, a, a meltdown we'll and it being nasty to some of the analysts on an, an investor conference call. Um, the share is still hovering around about $300 a share for Tesla. Um, I still maintain my view that I think the company's got, got problems and they're going to probably need to come back to the equity market to raise further equity. Musk disputes that. Let's see. Yeah. We've got a small risk on here, so even if I'm completely wrong, the worst that we can do is lose $281. Okay, Garth, we'll leave it there. Thanks as always for joining us. Garth McKenzie is, of course, founder and editor of Traders Corner.